The St. Charles County Veterans Museum is a 501c3 nonprofit business. The museum would not exist without the donations of our generous community. Your donations ensure the museum continues to share and preserve the stories of our veterans. Would you like to be part of something special? To donate, visit sccvetsmuseum.org and click on Donate. The Dog Tech Podcast may at times cover sensitive topics including, but not limited to, suicide, abuse, violence, severe mental illness, sex, drugs, and alcohol addiction. You are advised to refrain from watching or listening to the Dog Tag Podcast if you are likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of these topics. Neither the company, host, director, or guests shall at any time be liable for the content covered causing offense, distress, or other reaction. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. The primary purpose of the Dog Tag Podcast is to educate. The views, information, or opinions expressed on the Dog Tag Podcast are solely the views of the individuals or guests involved and by no means represent absolute facts. The Dog Tag does not accept responsibility for their views or comments. Joe Rombolo's Medicare Made Easy works hard for our veterans. Did you know you may be eligible to enroll in a Medicare plan and keep your VA health and life benefits? We can offer a Medicare Advantage plan specifically designed for veterans and spouses who are entitled to VA health benefits. CHAMP VA or TRICARE for Life may offer benefits you might otherwise not receive. We can find a plan that best suits your needs. Call Joe at 314-753-0792. That's 314-753-0792. Welcome to the Dog Tag Podcast at the St. Charles County Veterans Museum with your host, Jason Galvin and Jim Higgins. Today in studio, we have the Focus Marines. We have Holly, who is a development coordinator, Jennifer, a Marine executive director, and Todd, Marine and mentor graduate. Jim, go ahead and kick us off. Well, thank you, Jason and Holly, Jennifer, and Todd. Welcome to the uh, the show. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to get a little bit of background on you guys. Holly, if you'd start us off. Sure. So my name is Holly Claysner. I'm the development coordinator for the Focus Marine Foundation. So basically, my job is to get the word out there about Focus, what we do, and help to get donations to help support our veterans that we serve. And Jennifer, how about you? Yes, I've been with um, Focus Marines Foundation for eight years. I am a Marine veteran. I served in the early 90s, so not much was going on when I served. So this is actually how I, I feel like I'm serving my country is giving back to the guys that did go over, guys and girls that did go over and, and have to serve in the in the Afghanistan and Iraq combat. Thank you, Jennifer. And Todd, how about you? Uh, my name's Todd Nicely, and I am a graduate mentor at Focus, um, which is a job that you can really only get if you've gone through the program and, you know, your life becomes better. And you, I, I do it because I want to come back and um, I really want to give back to the other veterans. But uh, I was a Marine corporal, stepped on a bomb in 2010 that ultimately took my hands and legs. Well, Todd, welcome. First, thank you for your service. God bless you, sir. 
So I'm going to throw it out as a general question, but, you know, just want to kind of point out we're a unique museum here and we quickly learn we're, we're not about the artifacts in a museum. It's all about the stories of our veterans in here. And when you start to listen to the stories, you really start to understand that when our veterans come home, for many, the battle is just beginning and there's a real need out there for what Focus Marines does. So can you explain a little bit about the whole process, Focus Marines, and do they call it a retreat? What, what do they call it, actually? It's a program. Um, but uh, actually, I'm going to have Jennifer kind of explain how it all started. So it started back in 2010. There were a group of Vietnam-era veterans that got together, and um, some of their children were now coming back from Iraq, and they wanted better for their kids than they received coming back from Vietnam. And so um, they put this program together to help those guys and girls deal with some of those um, issues that that we knew were going to be problematic for them, PTSD, survivor's guilt. There are new things that have been identified through that as well. Um, Moral injury is now one of them. And I feel like, you know, they just got together wanting better for this new generation of veterans coming back from serving in combat. So that's how it started and what the whole program was, was about. Can you give us a little insight? It's it's a week long program. Is that it correct? is? It's a Saturday to Saturday, and um, Sunday is when really the work begins. Everybody just travels in on Saturday, and Monday and Tuesday we dive deep into where they're coming from and why they think the way they think. We all are born with this human condition, and it's just about explaining that so they can understand. There are programs that are put into you, and. If they're not working for you, let's give you some tools to figure out how to change that to something that will work for you so that we can make your life better, whatever that means. It's very individual. It's very personal. It, it depends on everybody's own perspective from the way that they've grown up culturally and you know, physically around the country. And so it really just helps them understand why they think the way they think. And then on Wednesday, we give them an opportunity to share and then Thursday and Friday is what's next. So they have an opportunity to start thinking about what do they want to do now with all of these new tools that they've gained and how, how do they want to almost reintegrate back into their communities possibly or in their families even because some have so isolated that they're not even engaged with their own, own children and their spouses. And so re, re-acclimating and regener- like getting back into those, those communities and homes is, is the goal. So maybe this is a Todd question, but, you know, we've got two Marines on our board and just having two Marines in the same room, combat Marines, it gets a little rowdy real quick. (laughs) I I can't imagine a a whole uh, program filled with Marines, probably combat veterans. What's that like at first, those first few days? Uh, The first few days, it's, it's really amazing to watch how quickly they, you know, these are people coming from all walks of life and all of a sudden... They're having issues, but they all show up at this, this, uh, I like to call it an experience instead of a program because it just changes worlds. But, you know, it, it's fun to watch them all kind of gravitate towards each other and get that camaraderie again that they've been missing for so long. Well, and that's probably, uh, you know, the other thing we hear, and I guess I, I use the term the first day you don't put the uniform on, it's very tough for anybody that's served maybe a little more difficult for those that served in combat situations. Um, and Todd, I got to ask you, I mean, you were wounded. That separation, the brotherhood ended very abrupt and you didn't go back. So maybe even a little tougher for those that are wounded. 
Uh, and yeah, and that's a big part of my story on why I landed at Focus. Um, I was in a rough spot, and I had tried many different avenues of self medication. I even committed, tried to commit suicide at one point, and I was at my wits' end. And they had been, actually, the foundation had been trying to hunt me down for like eight years. But I was like, I'm a marine. I don't need that. I don't need that. You know how we all are. We don't need help. We're we know what we're doing, but yet we don't feel the same inside that we used to. So. By the time I went through the, that program, it, it really changed the way I look at things, the way I interact with people, and how I actually go about my daily life. And the other thing that I think we've learned that PTSD, it doesn't show up right away. It's sometimes months or even years later when things just start happening in somebody's life. So it's it's not immediately. So that time lapse is probably very common. Do you see that often guys seek you out after they've been out of the service for a while? Yes, we actually have um, participants and graduates now that were from Somalia and Desert Storm. So it's still with them. They're still struggling. And so, you know, we have guidelines that we go by that it is post 9-11, but actually we will, um, Somalia Marines and and post, uh, I'm sorry, Desert Storm veterans, we do invite to come to our program as well, especially if they're still struggling with their you know, issues from their battles. And of course, one of the things that we've learned here as veterans talking to veterans is just one of the best therapies in the world. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it so much help. That's one thing we hope with the podcast that sometimes our veterans will listen to this if, when we have other veterans on and hope it helps them. <clears throat> so give us an idea on day one. What does what does the first day look like? So on Sunday, we actually have this beautiful property that Focus is held at. It is a personal home. It's somebody's private residence. So it is not open to outside people any other time except for Focus. He doesn't he doesn't invite anybody to that space unless it's a family friend or his family. And so really, it's just about getting acclimated to the, the space. So they get to go into various different buildings and they get transported around so they can see. But also, it's to build that camaraderie and those relationships and start those friendships. Because on Monday, when we start talking about this heavy stuff, we need them to be comfortable enough to start talking about their heavy stuff and not have to wait until, oh, I'm just not sure. So we, we try to really build that cohesive unit on Sunday so that on Monday morning we can hit the ground running with the hard stuff and we don't have to do those let's get to know you type exercises because we've done them on Sunday. So that is really what Sunday is about. And we eat breakfast at 7, we have lunch at 12, we have dinner at 5. So we go back into kind of that military routine where it is all very much scheduled and calculated and you know what to expect and when to expect it so that we can stay um, back a little bit in that military mindset because boot camping is reprogramming your brain and that's all we're we're kind of exposing them to again is to reprogram themselves so that maybe some of the things that they do without even thinking about it getting angry going into like resisting all of this change and resisting getting civilian world kind of acclimated we're trying to help them undo those programs and explaining to them that you're very capable of capable of doing this because you've done it before you went through boot camp and that's all boot camp did it's they people call it brainwashing it's not brainwashing it's programming you to think the way that military folks think and we're trying to do that so that it serves them working in the civilian world not we don't know best for them they have to find out what program works for them but to help them find 
what's going to serve them best in the civilian world now that that's where they're at. So, so Todd, you mentioned it was eight years before you actually went to focus and you mentioned Jennifer Somalia, which that's, that's quite a while back. So many of the people that participate in this program have been out of the military for quite some time. Um, you have an average, rough average of how long that is? Well, it varies because we've had people out for a lot of years, but and then some that have just been out recently. So I would say on average between 10 and 15 years about is where people are coming to us after they've gotten out of the military. And, and that, I, I maybe shouldn't say it this way, but that's a little scary to me because that means you've got people that have needed help, that they haven't got the needed help in that many years. Um, so what, how do you, how do you make people aware of Focus Marines? How, how does somebody find you? Todd, you mentioned somebody, they were looking for you actually. Yeah. They, they were trying to hunt me down, but, but, and once again, that's why I like to call it an experience is these guys come to us and they're ready for the change. And that, that's a big thing. You have to be ready for it. And I just wasn't ready for it for the material they were going to be giving me to allow me to move forward and expand in my life. So a lot of people seek you out because they've heard about you for the first time, publicity, different things, but you also track down some people we're hearing. Todd's local, so he did have the luxury of getting tracked down. Um, You know, but really we used to have a lot of referrals come from combat casualty nurses and then also the Wounded Warrior DISC program and as the, as the distance has been between the OIF, OEF conflicts, I feel like they have definitely not had the amount of people. And so, honestly, more than 50% of our class is filled up with graduate referrals. So they are telling their buddies now. They're seeing their buddies struggle. They're tired of seeing their buddies kill themselves. So they're doing whatever they can to help the help their, their, their brothers and sisters to find us. And so that's really how we're getting our participants right now is they're either know somebody from focus and focus people are recruiting them or they are getting graduate referred to us. So that's how we're getting our people. So Jennifer, you told us about how you got the people, what kind of uh, support is there? Who are the support pieces? Are they counselors? Are they Give, kind of tell, walk us through who's there to facilitate and help and what that looks like. So we have civilian facilitators that come in. They're professional. They do this leadership course all over the world, and really they are in corporate leadership courses. This course could be given to Fortune 500 leaders, and it would benefit them just as good as it benefits our veterans. We've we've tweaked it a bit to, to handle the combat aspect of, of who we're dealing with. But, yeah, then um, the team leaders, they are – there are, they have prior Marines that have served, not necessarily in combat, but they have served. And then we have graduate mentors. So every table has a team leader who is a, a, a veteran and then a graduate mentor who is also a veteran. And the graduate mentors have gone through our program, which means that they qualified to come through based off of, you know, the guidelines, whether they're combat, but they're mostly post 9-11. So that's really who's at the table and they're with those. So it's peer support is how we do this. We don't have professional medical doctors out there. We don't have therapists out there. We're not trying to diagnose anybody or treat them. We're trying to give them a different perspective and help them to change the way that they're looking at some of these things. And Todd could speak to it. We talk a lot about victim responsible and Todd gets up and talks about, 
you know, his, his, his piece in that and what really transformed his experience from focus and how he's been able to do so well since focus because of this like one piece. And I don't want to speak for him. So yeah, Todd, tell, tell us a little bit about being a mentor, what that means to you, what, what it looks like for uh, the groups that you serve and is there continuing education, things like that? Um, yeah, well, I, you know, when I went through focus, I, I was having a hard time. I, you know, I felt like I was a burden on people because of my disabilities and I get around just fine, but I just felt like there was things I, I was getting tired of it. And when I went through my class, I, I seen how everybody reacted to the fact that, you know, I was struggling too, and that I was willing to make a change. Well, then these guys start kind of looking at me going, well, if this guy can do it, why can't I? I mean, this is not just for disabled veterans. It's for any veteran that has served that has a, a need for it. And so I always try to tell them that, that don't, you know, think that you shouldn't be here because you're not injured. But for me as a mentor, I love giving back because it helped me with my life so much that if I was struggling that badly and it has helped me, I, I can only imagine what it's doing for other people. So in, in most cases, the uh, people in the program are working or they have careers because they're long about or and, and you're trying you're helping them along you know, with kind of explain what the typical student or person in the program looks like. So we have a lot of people that are in school. We do have a lot of people that are working, but I, a bulk of the people that we have are retired or they're unemployable and they're not able to work. And so they've, they've switched around to maybe they're a stay at home dad or they're, you know, finding something to do hobby wise, like woodworking or fishing or, you know, trying to monetize something in that way so that they don't lose some of those, those benefits that they get from being unemployable. And, um, yeah, so that's a, we, yeah, so it's, sorry, I don't mean to stumble over that, but there is kind of a vast, you either, you know, all, all of the above, working in school, try, trying to figure out what to do so they can change a career, or they're they're staying at home and they're unemployable. Do the class cohorts stay pretty close to each other as time goes on? And I know probably overall they're close to each other, but those specific groups very close for the long haul? They are. So when we have our <clears throat> sessions, um, there there's usually like three participants or so to a table, so you're you're getting your team lead, you're getting your um, mentor. So there's a lot of focus on um, on you, uh, which is nice. But we don't just stop at the seven days. We want to keep engaging. Uh, we always say that focus is a family, and whether you, you know you're in it, and we're in it with you. Until you, until you tell us to stop. <laughs> but we have a program after that that keeps everybody engaged. So two times a month, we are reaching out to, and they're, they're reaching out uh, with us. Uh, they're Zoom meetings. And this is for refocus. So sometimes it's going back over material or even introducing new. And then also there is a buddy check. And that's just, hey, where's your wins? Where's your losses? So I'll have... Jennifer, can I speak more on that? Because Yeah, so twice a month I send out an email to all of our graduates. So from all classes, all eras, it doesn't matter if this was I, – I will stay in contact with them and Focus will stay in contact with them until they do ask us not to. So this isn't a, a time-limited event for them. So we – 
have implemented these two Zoom sessions. COVID actually helped us to put it on camera, which helps, I think, engage people to stay in contact because we are nationwide. So, you know, Todd might be best friends with a guy he met there from New York. Sometimes that's hard to physically see each other, but if you can see each other over camera and hopefully that helps them say, hey, let's FaceTime, let's, you know, hang out today on this, let's play video games together, whatever, but just, just stay engaged with each other to help loosen and lessen the isolation that sometimes comes from feeling like you don't, nobody understands you and you're not the same person you used to be. So just to keep them out of that isolation state, we have, we've implemented these programs, so... And Todd, does it does does this program with the refocus and and having the cohorts uh, access to the cohorts and your friends of that nature does it does it lend itself to that feeling of being back in a unit back back together with the guys? Is it anything like that at all? It's it's a lot of camaraderie. It it really is, and you'll you'll see it on the people's faces when they come into the Zoom meeting. They're all trying to talk at the same time, and it gets a little. A little rough sometimes, but they're all very happy to see each other and rooting each other on. And that's one of the amazing things as a mentor that I get to see is that, you know, you see these aha moments happen and then these people go out in the world and do great things after they go there. And it's it's just amazing how one week can actually just change everything for you if you live by what you're being told. One thing I'd like to ask you a little bit, I know that there is a vetting process of sorts. And I know, Jennifer, you're a, a woman Marine. And do you have many women to go to the program? And, you know, again, the public awareness of what PTSD is, it's not necessarily those on the front line in combat, but do you have a lot of women to come through? And, and, and of course, I'm saying this tactfully, but women in, in the service have a different set of traumas they face very often. So how does that work out for the women? Yes, we do have a lot of women. In fact, our last session we had the most we've ever had, and that was five in one session. So we did have a lot of women, and I think that once they are feel safe and heard and understood, they actually start telling other people, and so that's th- those numbers will, I think, just start increasing. But yeah, some of their their traumas are the same. They might just be classified different. And I think what they found um, when they've done a lot of research through this suicide is that the the Guys at the front lines, the 0311s, they really did get hit hard with suicides. But those suicide numbers now are trickling all the way into those um, other than grunts, MOSs, um, the the ancillary MOSs, the support MOSs, because they're not feeling like they're worth getting treatment for their stuff because they weren't on the front line. So, you know, it's got there's a mix of some of those things, and you know, and some of the female issues are, are basically very much the same and can be, we, we treat them very similarly. So no, nobody's is separated out. We all are in the same room together, working our stuff together. So can you talk a little bit about the vetting process that you, you look at? Sure. So our vetting process is when you send an application and I speak to you, I will, I will call you. If I don't get a hold of you, I don't move you forward into the process. There's a two pages to our application. And, and until I have that, that conversation with you, I cannot send you that second page. Um, once I get that second page back, we do have a graduate mentor vetting process. It's two stages. So we have our graduate mentors. Todd is one of our main vetters, but he calls them and has conversation with them. And we really go through a checklist of stuff. We want to make sure that they are right Um ready for the program and willing to accept new concepts and new ideas, that they're not so dogmatic in their belief system that they won't, they'll be resistant to the 
the material so much so that they'll be disruptive so somebody else can't hear it. So, you know, ideally the person is already on their way. They want some help. They recognize that there's something missing and they just need, they just need that extra boost to kind of get them to that next stage of their life. And, you know, our tagline is where things start to get better because it is so subjective to where they're at personally. And that is really up for them to decide that. And, we can't do any of this work for them. So they have to be able to take the material and really start working on it and um, put the put the tools in place so that they, they know what they need to be doing and when they need to be doing it. And if they're falling, to understand that's part of the process and pick themselves back up or pick up the 500-pound phone and call Todd, hit their graduate mentor, or myself, or Holly, because there's not anybody that won't accept a phone call from them. Well, and I, I just want to throw in there, too, that there's no criteria. Right. Um, I mean – We've had people from all spectrums of all different types of um, injuries and catastrophes and different types of traumas, and what you come to find out is it's not the trauma itself that you're dealing with, it's how you're dealing with it that they really dig into and teach you how to move past that and and become who you want to be and let what happened to you stop being who you identify as. The um, Your website talks about, you know, a graduate course. Is the graduate course also together or is that more um, FaceTime and different things like that? It's all over Zoom now. It's just because we are so spread apart all, all over the country. So we have graduates from Alaska now and almost all states. So, so the first program is, is actually live. In People person, come correct. together and yes. then you... Everybody goes their separate ways. And then the long-term mentoring, I guess, is the same way. It's FaceTime, reach out. And, Todd, you're a big part of that, I guess, the ongoing graduate part of it. Yes, um, I'm in on the Zoom calls for refocus and uh, the buddy checks because I believe the refocuses are very important. As I've gone through the program multiple times now as a mentor, and every time I go through it, I learn something new that I can apply to my life that's going on at that time. It's it's kind of one of those things where everybody comes in with a different trauma, hears the same thing, but yet leaves with a different leaves with a different idea on life. And that's why I like to call it an experience, which I got from another mentor. So would you say that the refocus can is also retooling them for what is popped up recently? So they're going through their life, maybe something popped up they weren't expecting, and now they need to refocus on how do I use the tools I learned to get past this and overcome this obstacle or barrier? Would you yeah. say that's correct? That, that That's dead on. I mean, that's what it is, is we, we go over the information or new information is being um, given to these graduates as well. And so it's not only the information that you learned. Sometimes we go over it again, and then you, you have another moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of stopped doing that for a while. Now I need to focus on this. So they're, they're very handy in keeping people engaged in the material and I like to say a lot of times it's a foreign language. If you don't use it, you lose it. Definitely. And Holly, I remember you told me before that you guys give laptops to the to the participants so that they can stay engaged. Is that correct? That is correct. So at the end of the session, they do get a laptop, and that's how we get to do the refocuses. That's how we get to do the buddy checks so that they are staying engaged and they're still working their process and we're still there for them and we're ready for their wins and losses and keeping engaged and keeping in the family. The, um, you know, the number we hear a lot, you know, thrown around is 22 a day. And I've had very many people tell me they think the number is much, much higher. You know, people that just have 
decided not to continue or overdose or whatever that's not counted in there. But one part of this whole, uh, the solution has to be the family. I mean, a lot of guys have, gals have families. And that, how do, do you bring in the support? You know, uh, how does a spouse help? How does a family help? Because, you know, Todd, you mentioned eight <laughs> years. If, if you're around family and everything, I think some of us sometimes think that nobody notices what we're going through. And, you know, a lot of times I think the spouse and the kids, they're more observant than we give them credit for. Yes, we actually engage our, we call it a caregiver program, but basically what we're trying to do is let these these folks that they have graciously allowed their veteran to come to our program, to let them know that they are not coming to a program, then they're drinking with their buddies and fishing and out having this great time that they are actually putting in work. And we give them a copy of our schedule. We give them resources to other organizations that do focus on caregivers as their as their mission so that they do know that there are organizations out there to help them. And then we give them our contact information. So then if anything pops up, they have any emergency or if later down the line they need some support, they can reach out to us then as well. So that's how we handle our caregiver program because our mission really is on the veteran. But we know that oftentimes there are um, children at home and there are spouses at home. So we want to make sure that we equip them and give them some tools to help better deal with their situation as well. well and I, I also know that with PTSD that a lot of the times, because I have it myself, is we end up lashing out at the ones that we're closest to. So after they go through this program, they have tools to, I because I tell them as a mentor, don't go home and expect things to change overnight. You have to change your attitudes and your uh, actions, and you'll see progress. So for with me, my wife life has gone almost full circle now. I have a family and everything, and I can now have those not arguments with my wife, but conversations because I can think about focus and the tools that I learned and allow myself to actually step back for a minute and plan about how I'm going to go about it instead of just outbursting. The, uh, I heard somebody tell me one time, a Vietnam veteran, that he got married after he served in Vietnam. We all know that the divorce rate, combat veterans and everything, is much higher if you go over there and, you know, while you're married so, you know, it certainly takes a special spouse and understanding and, you know, having to manage relationships, you know, and uh, it's got to be a challenge. So can't imagine what that's like. So you're, you're, you're in this, you're in this week long process. It's got to be really hard to leave that group. It's almost like you left your unit, isn't it? Um, for me, it, it's not like leaving my unit. Cause like I said, I get to see them all again on focus and FaceTime. And I get to meet a lot of the – I meet all the participants that come through, not and let alone not if vetting them. So I do get to know a lot of these guys, and I do kind of try to check up on some of them and every now and then and be like, how are you doing? You know, Because every now and then it's good to get a call from someone that you went through that with and giving you the push and the, hey, go for it. You know. So if, if you're there for these guys, you get to vet them, you get to be their mentor, who's your mentor? Um, my mentor is some of the other mentors there. Like it's a never ending cycle of just being there for one another. So you're not just giving of yourself, but you're also receiving from the other guys as well. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, some of the stories they've been through and you listen to them and you talk to them. I mean, 
we have a uh, gunning sergeant there that runs a lot of it, and he's, he likes to say, you know, I've heard some of the smartest things I've ever heard down at the fire pit and some of the dumbest things I've ever heard down <laughs> at the fire pit. So, you know, a week with these guys with, you know, there's not much electronics around, so it's all just getting to know each other. So I'm thinking, you know, the one of the things we heard and we hear on a uh, basis now, mind you, you know, the, the veterans we come in contact have been out a while, but you know, the VA and the transition to civilian life in general, I guess my own opinion is they don't understand that transition there and the tools are not there. You have guys have an idea of what they could do better. What, what's that like? Um, Is that part of the problem? Well, and I I actually believe that you can, you can turn somebody into a war fighter, but it's not as easy to turn them back into a civilian. So I think that the answer lies someplace in the middle. Like you have to be able to work with these war fighters. This is what you've created. This is what you needed to, to survive this. But now how do we make sure that they can translate that into what's going to work on this side of things so that they can have healthy families and relationships and wives and, you know, all of those things that, that would make them happy and have a better life. But to somehow, there has to be a better transition out. And I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. Cause I know that, you know, some of these contracts are only four years. And so that, I mean, it could take just as long to undo some of that stuff as it did to put it in there, but there just has to be a better way to make that transition a little bit smoother and less, um, I don't want to say tragic cause it's not tragic for everybody, but less abrupt. And, you know, so much of it just disappears after that and you're done. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I know programs like ours, we all have to work together to continue us. Our program is not a one and done. I feel like, you know, it might take 10 programs like ours to help somebody get through and all of those tools in their pack will just make them better and better and better. And so I think organizations like what we're doing and other, you know, there's great organizations out there that do the same type of thing, just different modalities. But, you know, it takes all of that together to help veterans get to a better place and live a, live the life that they've fought so hard for us and that they deserve. So the, um, and I'm probably going to piss off a few army people here, but <laughs> what I've learned about Marines is, uh, truly, yeah, you're, you've, you've, you've created a, a killing machine and that transition has to be especially tough for the Marines. I would think, you know, um, we've got a number of Marine stories in here and tip of the spear grunts, you know, the pride and, and, you know, feel like you didn't have everything you need, but that was part of being proud, you know, is, is that you were shorthanded. So it, I would think that transition, especially for the Marines, is a little bit tougher. Todd, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I think that once you uh, go into the military, your brain is put into survival and flight and f- fight or flight mode and train an instinct, which is then now your training and when you get out, you fall back on that, and you want to go back into that survival training, and this is what I've learned. And a lot of the times, it doesn't suit you in the civilian-type employment that they have or anything of that nature. I haven't gotten rid of that. I'm, I'm a Marine 100%. I can just switch right back into that Marine mode anytime I want, but now I've learned how to navigate the civilian life a little better because not everybody understands what we've been through and they never will. So that's on us to remember that. So Todd, this might be a little too personal of a question and you can beg off if you want. But 
you know, we, we often hear that those suffering are just afraid to speak up and, and seek help. But you said they were, they were chasing you for a while. Well, yeah, I, I, I refused it. I, I thought, I don't need that. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, you get in that mindset because you're a Marine or a soldier or a sailor and you're, you spent four years of your life, you know, preparing for war or doing whatever you were doing. And it, they, you start to think it's a sign of weakness. And that's a mold we have to break with our veteran community is that asking for help is not a weakness. I had to experience that myself when I tried to commit suicide on my back deck. And then after that, seeing my family's faces when I woke up made me realize what travesty I would have left behind. So that's why another reason I'm there is to kind of try to help veterans realize that there's always one person out there that's really going to be counting on you. And don't take that away from them because then who knows where they're going to be. Well, and that's that's one of the, the tragic things about you know, the veteran suicides, I think the last time I heard that there was more veteran suicides than we lost in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I guess I look at what you're doing is, and, and you have to look at it as one win at a time. You can't save everybody, but you can, you can really save one here and there. So, um, you know, it, it's got to be difficult knowing that one slips through the cracks or you can't save them all. But, um, so where, where is the program at? Isn't it around here in, in Missouri? Is there a? It's uh, at a private farm in Augusta, Missouri. Oh, so beautiful area up there. and So the farm is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the owner has made almost like uh, barracks, and that's where our participants stay. And then, um, a, a, lack of a better term, like a lodge kind of area. It overlooks water. It's so peaceful. It's so serene. Um, that is where we have the actual program. And it's set up, I'd say, similar to a classroom, but not really because it's, it's round tables and, and that sort of thing. But um, they go fishing. Um, there's a lot of uh, – there's downtime to where, um, you know, you can actually, like, walk the path and there's a large lake. Uh, there are horses, um, so there's you know therapy with that. It's um, it's absolutely amazing. It's it's beautiful out there. And you guys will do how many of these in a year? So we do four a year. And do you fill them each time? Pretty much. Our sweet spot is usually between like uh, twenty to twenty five. We can take up to thirty, but we'd rather it to be more intimate than that. Uh, we don't always fill them up and. What's nice is that uh, because we do that four times a year, if you can't make this one, there's the next one or the next one after that. So, so who's charged with chasing down guys like Todd? Well, Todd was a, Todd and Jennifer have a mutual friend. Okay. And so uh, she was really adamant about, you, you got to get my friend in, um, you know, so that's kind of that little backstory, but um, I'll, have, I'll have Jennifer speak to it. So the, I think everybody that's involved with Focus is is charged with hunting down and finding <laughs> these these participants, and um, you know they do it well because they have a heart for it. They just love these these veterans so much, and it really it does matter. Their lives matter, and we want to make sure that they understand that. And suicide is a huge risk. And our program's not in our mission. It doesn't mention suicide, but our program is absolutely to prevent suicide. The networking that we do, we make sure they all get 
business cards. So they have every single person's phone number. So they have no excuses not to call somebody. And then, you know, we reach out monthly, bi-monthly. We are, we are in their face a lot so that they, we were trying to take away any reason that they have to say, I don't have anybody. You know, they have us and they have anybody in our program. I, if they picked up the phone and called, we would, we would all answer. So yeah, there definitely is a lot of, of hard charging chasing down participants <laughs> in our in our in our board and on our you know people that work at focus yeah so. I, I was thinking sales was hard but chasing down a marine that doesn't want to go uh, that could be up there we're crafty <laughs> what's well, nice now is that um so as we, we started as uh by marines for marines um but now that you know we've we've been years now um since 2010 the need is so great out there, we've opened it up. So it was 30%, 10%, and then it went to 30 and now who needs help? We, you know, we want to give it to you. Well, let's get down to the nitty-gritty because I know this is, this is uh, going to be important for our listeners to, to hear. With this much help that's being provided, four cohorts a year, all the things that go into it, there's a cost involved in this. So how can the public help? If they can, and beyond that, if like you, if there was a corporate sponsor that wanted to get involved financially, what does that look like? How do they do that? Things of that. Just give us kind of a rundown of what that might look like. No, absolutely. So um, they can reach out to they can reach out to anybody. Um, we'll we'll all uh, take the help, um, but they can reach out to me. And so again, my name is Holly. I'm the development coordinator. So you can reach me at three one four seven one two. 5192. You can email me, holly at focusmarines.org. You can contact us uh, via our website, which is focusmarines.org. We have a donation tag, so you can do it right there. Uh, If you want to write a check, we can mail a check in, whatever you want to do or however you want to do it. And uh, just know that every dollar that you are sending in goes to help these these veterans. And since I did not serve, I feel like this is a duty that I need to do as a civilian because of what these soldiers, Marines, Air Force, like this is what they did for me and how, how can I help? Um, so I don't have, <laughs> let's say, a way to donate a lot of money. So then I'm going to do my time. I'm going to do whatever effort I can do to help that 22 dwindle down. Thank you, Holly. Um, is there anything else that uh, Holly, Jennifer, or Todd that you'd like the listeners to know before uh, kind of we uh, wrap up the podcast for tonight? Um, I'll go ahead and go first, and it's just that if there is any veterans out there listening and you think, oh, this isn't for me, you know, you never know because when you show up, the information that they go over might just spark something that you didn't even know was going on with you and because it happened for me in several different ways, but – don't don't think that you don't deserve a spot because these spots are for you. Um, I would just like to add that we are a no man left behind um, program and we're peer support. So there's no doctors, there's no psychology involved. It really is just Marines helping Marines and veterans helping veterans. We're peer support. And we are also a 501c3. So all of your donations, if that was um, the way that you wanted to help, would be you know, you would receive a tax receipt for that, for your tax record. So, 
Hey, you know, I got to mention one thing before, Holly, you make your final comment. You said you do open it up. Todd, what would it be like if you had a Navy guy in there? Well, you know, it, the, <laughs> the jokes do fly a little bit, but at the end, it's 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 amazing to see the camaraderie, even though they're not Marines, with the Navy guys and the Army guys, how much of a family they become together because it's like going through boot camp again. You experience something completely life-changing and you're there with those people, so you want to continue your journey with those people. Holly, go ahead. So uh, if there are any uh, Marines out there that uh, would like to come to our mess night, where we do a fundraiser once a year, and it's called Mess Night, and it's a lot of uh, camaraderie, and um, the Marines know about it. They have grievances. It's, it's, it's a fun time. Uh, but that's coming up on April 22nd. And you can also uh, get tickets to that if you wish to. It's uh, focusmarinesmessnight.org. And um, we do have corporate sponsors that handle this also. Uh, and, you know, any – and so as far as, you know, I'm concerned, um, any way that you would like to help, whether it be uh, – we also have Marines out there that would like to volunteer time – we have that ability to, we'll, we'll, we'll take you on too. Well, Todd, uh, Jennifer, and Holly, thank you so much for joining us in the studio tonight. We're going to go ahead and sign off of the Dog Tag Podcast at the St. Charles County Veterans Museum. The Dog Tag is brought to you by the St. Charles County Veterans Museum. The museum is a 501c3 nonprofit business. Do you like our podcast? With your support, we'll continue to bring you great programming. If you'd like to donate, go to sccvetsmuseum.org and click on Donate. This podcast is sponsored by the Renee S. Real Estate Agency, located here in O'Fallon, Missouri. She is licensed in Missouri and Illinois and focuses on your personal and commercial insurance needs. Her office is located at 2764 Highway K, O'Fallon, Missouri, 63368. She can be reached at 636-379-9556 or by email at reneesri at allstate.com, R-E-N-E-E-E-S-S-A-R-Y at allstate.com. If you are shopping for insurance and want an active agent that will educate and advise you on the coverage you need, reach out to her.